What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 107 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders, find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, one of my favorite things is going back to prior guests. Guests that challenged us, guests that made us better. In fact, this guest today was on episode three, right at the very beginning of the podcast. And she was one of those that took a rider on us, gave us a shot, and we had so much fun last time. And it's going to be as good, if not better, this time. Today, I get to sit down with Miss Shannon Bream. You may know Shannon from Fox News, where she hosts her own show every evening on Fox News. She hosts her own podcast, Live in the Bream podcast. She's the chief legal correspondent for Fox News, where she talks about things and rulings on the high court. She's a graduate of Liberty University, where she married a good friend that I played ball with, Sheldon Bream. And so it's been so fun to watch Shannon grow into the leader that she is today and to watch how God has used her and grown and expanded her platform through the years. Well, she has come out with her latest book. In fact, it is now a bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list, The Women of the Bible Speak. Shannon takes a look at 16 of the greatest ladies used in scripture and how God defined, used, grew their lives to challenge us today to be the best that we can be. So whether you're a lady listening, a man listening, I will tell you this, all of these principles are transferable and they are spot on. And what I love about this, this conversation is Shannon, you can hear how each one of these ladies that we talk about challenged and grew Shannon's faith. Today's going to be a fun one. So I don't know where you're listening from. I hope you'll hit pause. Go and order Shannon's book. It is fantastic. If you're a pastor listening today, it'll be a great small group. Read for your uh, ladies' small groups. For you guys, I'm just telling you, there's a ton of leadership and and stuff that you just didn't know that's in there. 
it's going to be a good one. So I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Fox News and good friend, Shannon Bream. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is great to have you back. It is my privilege. Always so much fun chatting with you. It's so good. You're one of my first guests. And, you know, and I was just telling you before we went on, one of my favorite things about you is your faithfulness. You know, I got to know you and Sheldon before y'all were who you are today. Mm -hmm. And you're the same person. And I tell you what, that's just such a testament to what you've allowed the Lord to do with your life. And it makes me really proud of you. Well, thank you. God is good. He is faithful through the good and the bad. And we've had valleys and mountaintops like everybody. And uh, we are works in progress. But I got to tell you, because my hubs knew you very well back in college, he was telling somebody about that I was going to talk with you today. And he says he is the most solid guy. He's a big fan of Mike Lynch, just so you know. That is sweet. Well, I'll take I'll take the one. I'll always take the one. We'll take it to the bank. He's a big fan. Well, you're so sweet. Well, I love your new book, The Women of the Bible Speak. You know, God left all these stories in there. Why do you think he left the stories of all these amazing ladies that you talk about? Why do you think it was so important for him to leave those stories with us? You know, I think that we learned something from every one of their stories, and clearly there's a reason they were included in the scriptures, uh, the holy words of God. And these women, like, uh, listen, like the male characters in the Bible, too, they are flawed. They are not sanitized. And I love that because it makes them more relatable. Some of them make wildly bad decisions, but God is able to redeem it. And I love that so that we can see, I joke about it, but it's true. We've got a prostitute. We've got a murderer. We've got a queen. Yep. We've got Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, this is a quite a collection of women. We don't have to add one thing to their stories because they're so fascinating on their own. And there are lessons there that God left us. Um, but by putting them in this book, I'm hoping maybe somebody who um, is shy about picking up the Bible or doesn't know where to start, they'll hear these stories and say, wow, these are things that are buried in the Bible. What else is in there? Uh, I was really encouraged through the process. I learned a ton, and I hope other people will too. You know, it's, you've walked with the Lord for a while now, Shannon. I know we talked about that in our last episode. You would make the assumption, well, you would know all there is to know about all these ladies. Which one of these surprised you the most? You started I, learning about them, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this. Yeah, you know what? I think Deborah, mm. uh, this Old Testament character who was a judge. So she was the leader of Israel. So I always love to talk about her, too, when people say that, you know, the Christian faith is one that doesn't cherish women or doesn't respect them. And I'm like, you're not reading the Bible, not the same one I'm reading. Um, Old and New Testament, there are plenty of examples. And here's Deborah in the Old Testament serving as a judge, leading the nation of Israel, like they often did, like we often do. They had fallen away from God. They needed help. They were being oppressed by the Canaanites who, um, as somebody who is a, a, a well-learned Bible teacher said to me, um, they were sort of like the ISIS of their day. Yep, they were bad, right. bad people. I mean, sacrificing kids and doing all kinds of terrible things and oppressing Israel. So God tells Deborah, go get your men together. Uh, Israel's going to go into battle against the Canaanites who had chariots and horses and all these things Israel didn't have. So I don't see anywhere there's a hesitation from her, but she calls up the top general for Israel, Barak, and says, God says, get the men together and we're going into battle. And he says, uh, I don't want to go if you don't go. I'll go if you go. I mean, he knows clearly that she's anointed. And she says, okay, but the way you've handled this means that the opposing general 
Cicero was his name. He's actually going to be delivered into the hands of a woman because of your hesitation. So I'd heard that story before and sort of in my mind thought that Deborah's the one who ends up getting the bad guy in the end, but it's not. There's a second woman, Yael, who is part of this story. But just watching the whole thing, I learned about Deborah. They go in and are victorious in this battle with God's favor. Um, and she leads a song afterwards too. And so I find that Listen, she's a judge. She's well-respected. She ends up leading them into battle in the military. She's sort of a praise and worship leader in this beautiful poetry and song where she's constantly turning the praise back to God for all that he has done. Um, and it was a witness not only to Israel, but to the other nations who saw this happen. And I just really learned so much more about her and was inspired by her. You know, you read all these stories, Shannon, and you think about your journey. You think about what God put in your heart and the engine that God put in you to be the best and to do your best. Was it gratifying to you in some ways to go, you know what? God has always wanted to use ladies to make a difference for his kingdom. What, what was going through your mind as you were as you were studying and comparing these ladies to your life? You know what I kept thinking about, and I and I decided to include an extra chapter at the end of the book just about Jesus and eight other women. Some of them we don't even have their names, but they're very important interactions between Christ and these women in the New Testament. And I loved that he went to people who were on the fringes. I mean, the woman who was caught in adultery that was about to be stoned, he, you know, utters that famous line, let him without sin cast the first stone, and nobody was left. And he says to the woman, like, what happened to them? Did they not condemn you? Well, I don't condemn you either. Yes, go and turn from your sin, but I don't condemn you. We see in his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well, which broke all kinds of norms that Jesus would be talking to this woman where the, these two groups, the Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other at all. There was no interaction. And for him to be talking alone as a, as a rabbi or, um, you know, esteemed teacher to a woman by himself, but Jesus didn't hesitate in any of these things. I mean, he went to the women where they were. He talked to them with grace and with respect and compassion. And I loved seeing that. And again, it gets at that point of the fact that women are treasured and valued by God, just as men are. And we're all created in his image. And um, he considers us his sons and daughters. And Christ lived that out in flesh. And it was just such an encouraging, beautiful thing for me to see and going back through those stories and how he related to women. You know, I, I love, and you talked about the woman with the issue of blood and how he called her daughter. Mm -hmm. What do you think went through her mind when she heard that phrase of intimacy and that phrase of love from our Savior to her ear when nobody else would have anything to do with mm -hmm. her? What do you think went through her mind, Shannon? I mean, it honestly makes me tear up every time I think about her story because she was so isolated. And what I learned in studying um, and, and for writing and researching for this book is that because of what she had, she probably was considered unclean, meaning she couldn't go to the markets or to the temple or be with people. She was probably very isolated and stuck at home as many people have felt over this pandemic over the last year. And she had nothing when we meet her. She'd spent everything she had been doctor to doctor. No one had healed her. And so she's penniless and still with this illness and stuck at home and isolated from everyone in the outside world. But she has enough faith where she says, this Jesus I've heard about, if I can just go and touch the hem of his garment, it will heal me. So she goes, that's exactly what happens. Jesus knows that something has happened and he turns around to say, who has touched me? Mm. So this woman is falling down and trembling before him. We're told in the multiple accounts about her in the gospel because he could have embarrassed and exposed her. What are you doing out here? You're breaking 
breaking all of the laws of the day. And how dare you, you reach out and touch or try to touch this esteemed, you know, religious teacher. He doesn't do any of that. Like you said, he says to her daughter. And I just love that. It just, it melts my heart because I think he's telegraphing his love and acceptance mm. for her, but also to everyone standing there. And he was surrounded by crowds all the time at this point that this woman has done a good thing, that she is my child. And, and he says to her, your faith has made you whole. He gives her credit. It's clearly his divine power, but all of the acceptance and the love and everything that he pours onto her. And I think she must have been just such a parched ground, desperate for some love and some outpouring. And to get that from the son of God, wow, I can't imagine how that must've felt to her. You know, and you, you've got scripture from the beginning. I mean, you have the life of Abraham, who we're all super familiar with, but there there was a special lady behind Abraham's life there in the beginning of it all. And then even till Jesus' last day on the cross and his last time on the cross, his mother Mary and Mary Magdalene and all of them are there. Why do you think, as scripture was poured together, why do you think it was so important to the Lord to have this string of all these amazing ladies throughout mm -hmm. it. Why do you think he wanted that for us? I mean, they're key critical characters in the story of God from beginning to Christ coming to earth. And I love that he includes them in the genealogy. And, and some of the ones in there are the ones we include in the book that made some of the worst decisions. I mean, that really took matters into their own hands and did some super shady, questionable stuff, but God was able to redeem it. So I think he wants these stories woven through so that we see that women are part of his story all through and that they are flawed like we are, that we all make bad decisions or want to tell God, I'm done waiting on you, but look at this awesome plan I've come up with as if God doesn't know and doesn't like he needs our help with the plan. <laughs> but some of the women in this book and in the Bible do that. So I love that he weaves all their stories together. And then in that genealogy leading us to Christ, he includes some of the most flawed people of all. And I think that should be comforting to us to know that God can work through great and small. When we make mistakes and messes, as we all will do, he can still redeem that and use it for good. If you could go back to Shannon, Shannon Bream, getting married, beginning this career and know what you know now, about these ladies, all the things you've learned, mm -hmm. what would have changed about you in your journey? I think maybe I would have been more secure. I would have mm. seen God's faithfulness over these stories because some of these women wait, they wait years, they wait decades for the answers to their prayers. And I think when you can go back and see how God was working through all of these stories and that he was faithful and his promises came to be and that he didn't abandon these women, uh, I think it gives you a deeper sense of security that whatever you're walking through, um, good times, bad times, there's purpose in all of it. I mean, we've all had really painful times in our lives. I have, I've been open about that, but to know that God was in all of it, I was never alone. He was never unaware of what I was going through. I think these stories um, would just give you more security and more hope and more reminders about God's faithfulness. As you now sit here and, and knowing lots of people, and I know y'all have already reached New York Times bestseller list, which that is awesome. That mm. is incredible. It's definitely a God thing. That is you awesome. You never told me a book about a bunch of women in the Bible is going to be <laughs> this New York Times bestseller. I mean, good thing I'm not in book publishing because I would not have predicted that. No, no, you wouldn't. But it, what it tells you, though, is there is a hunger for something that mm -hmm. lasts. And what I love about these stories, these weren't last week. These are stories that have endured 
the test of time. You know, you think of even Queen Esther. Mm-hmm. We have, you and I spoke just a little bit about it. We've just walked out of the craziest season mm-hmm. of, of our lifetime. We thought liberty was crazy. This is nothing compared <laughs> to what 2020 was like. Yeah. What do you learn from Queen Esther about how to get through tough seasons? What did you get out of her life that that you're able to reach into that file folder now and go, oh, yeah, I can apply this to how I live? Yeah, she was one of the ones who I've always loved her story. I've always known her story. But there were details that I had forgotten that were so supernatural and unbelievable when you go back and read her story and about Mordecai, her uncle who raised her as an orphan, how she comes to have great favor with the king. He, she's chosen to be the queen. And all this time, Mordecai, her uncle had told her to not talk about her Jewish heritage and not to make a big deal about that as she was then accepted as the queen of Persia into this kingdom. So when the Jewish people by the evil bad guy, Haman, who's essentially the king's number two, he does not like the Jewish people. He gets the king to sign off on this decree that will essentially make open season on the Jewish people that they can be attacked and slaughtered and their things taken. When word finally gets back to Esther about that and Mordecai, her uncle says, you know, that phrase, uh, it could be for such a time as this, that you're there. And don't think if you don't step up and help God's people that you're going to be spared, he'll work through someone else. And what we see with Esther is that she doesn't immediately say, great, I'm going to the king, which in those days, if you went to the king and he didn't ask for you, you could be killed on the spot. She, We see her humanness and her worry and her hesitation that all of us may have at some point about something we're asked to do. And she says to Mordecai, have the people fast for three days. I'm going to do the same thing. And at the end of that, I'll go to the king. And if I perish, I perish. So I see in her, although I always have thought of how brave and courageous she was, and she had favor with the king and with God and was able to, through so many amazing circumstances, save the Jewish people because of her willingness, she did have that fear and she had that hesitation and she called for fasting. And I thought, That's a beautiful thing. It's not that we'll never be unafraid when God calls us to something. Sometimes we do need to stop and pray, whether it's fasting, whether it's asking other people to fast and pray with us. Those are tools that are there to help us, um, you know, winnow down the mind of Christ, the mind of God, what he's calling us to do, to find the courage and to find the crystal clear direction in that. So I love that even though she was so courageous, there was that moment of reaching out and asking for help before she did the task that was laid before her. Do you find yourself even now on into your Christian journey that there are those seasons you know that the Lord's going to be faithful, but you're still fearful? How do you how do you handle that tension of well, it, it's the dad in the New Testament, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Right. How, how do you handle as a as a fellow Christ follower? How do you handle that in your life? I really feel lately I've been led to pray, Lord, your will, not mine. Mm. And to mean it, it's one thing to pray it, but it's another thing to think about the things that you love or cherish most here on earth, the people that you love or the things that make your life comfortable. Um, But to really say, and and in reading through, uh, you know, the crucifixion accounts so much extra these last few weeks leading up to Easter and seeing about how Christ knew every terrible thing that was going to happen to him. Imagine having that knowledge And then sitting there and praying, Lord, you know, take this cup from me if it can be, but if not, your will be done, not Mm. mine. And I've just really been thinking about that in a very concrete way and praying, Lord, give me your grace, give me your strength to mean that because I know my human strength is not going to be enough um, when I'm doubtful or when I'm in a valley or I'm having a tough time. 
Um, I'll say the one thing about having been through valleys, all of us, I think, is um, Christians who've had some years there, we know God has shown up. We know that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we've got a very close relative right now who is dealing with a terminal cancer sentence. We're praying for a miracle. I believe God does those. Um, but she is very much a witness through this because she keeps saying that, Lord, no matter what you decide to do in this, and we're praying for healing, help me to be a faithful witness and to trust you and to know that my joy is not about my circumstances, um, that you've never promised us this life would be without trouble. In fact, you said you will have trouble, but have no fear because I've overcome. And we know what the ultimate victory is over sin, over death. And it's very hard for us as humans sometimes to go through those valleys, but I've seen God's faithfulness. I know it is true. And I see it modeled in the faithfulness of other people like this relative we have who is just witnessing through this whole thing. You know, if you were to have gone to these ladies, Sarah or Hagar or Rachel or Leah or uh, Deborah or Jael, if you had gone to one of them, do you think as their life was finishing, do you think they would have all thought they really made that much difference? Do you think they would have looked at their life and gone, well, you know, thousands of years from now, people are going to be talking about me. Do you think they would have thought that about their lives? I cannot imagine that these women would have thought they would end up in scripture, that they would, as you said, thousands of years later, be the model, uh, the story of getting us to Christ, our savior here on earth. Like, I really don't think these women would have thought that, um, you know, Deborah had a lot of praise in her day because she was this leader and they had this victorious battle. But even her, like I said, when she was leading this song of celebration with the Israelites afterwards, she constantly reflected all of the praise back to God. I praise you. I praise you. So she wasn't about herself. I think with each of these women, um, and some of them were very humble. We think about Hagar, she was a slave. I mean, she was not free to go. She had a very rough life, but she is a key player in the whole story. And there's one of these times, you know, she's out in the wilderness and she's run from the situation and God comes to her and she actually calls him by the name of the God who sees me. Mm. And I love that, that these women, um, humble or great, prominent family or slave, whatever they were, um, that they know God saw them and worked through them. But I can't imagine that any of them would have thought they would be Bible characters, that they would be in the Holy Scriptures that we have from God for all time. What would you tell young leaders, especially young lady leaders that are at the beginning of their career who are going, how am I going to balance mm-hmm. having a great marriage or raising a family or being great in my career and thinking God could use me. What encouragement would you give them, Shannon, after what you've learned from these amazing ladies? I would just say that the world's uh, standards and definitions of success should never be what we're chasing. They shouldn't define you. And I preach that to myself, believe me, all the time. It shouldn't be about the likes on Instagram or the followers on Twitter or anything else. Um, Even if you put out a Bible verse or devotion, don't look to see how many people love it. It's not about that. Um, God has a unique plan for every single one of us. There will be times where you feel stressed and pulled in a lot of different directions with kids and children and career and service at church and involvement there. Um, I think that we have to prioritize our time with the Lord. I find I get a lot of direction and clarity through that, knowing that, um, listen, I need forgiveness every day. I'm thankful for God's mercy. Um, but you do have to prioritize things. I mean, for me, my marriage has uh, always been a priority. And we always say we are not perfect, but we're perfect for each other. 
um, Mike, you know, my husband very well. And I, I thank God every day. He blessed me with this amazing man. Um, and we bear each other's burdens. Um, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as being spouses. I'm his number one fan. I think he's mine. And I think that you have to know when um, that relationship is being neglected or hurt, um, you got to stop and shut other, other things down. Um, a job is never going to love you back. And you got to prioritize your kids, your marriage, um, but most importantly, your your time and your relationship with the Lord, because that puts everything else in place. You know, you you made a great note about Mary and Martha. That's such a great story. Mm-hmm. And you noted something I've never thought about, Shannon, that the only words we ever hear Mary speak is asking Jesus why he wasn't there when her brother died. That mm-hmm. was interesting. Mm-hmm. I have never thought, we have never heard her speak anywhere else. We heard Martha speak on her behalf many times. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear her speak. Why do you think we know so little about what she said. You know, that's an interesting, because I'm sure she said more than that. What do you think that tells us about Mary and why Jesus loved them? Because Martha goes to him and Jesus, he's upset that her brother died. When Mary says my brother died, he was greatly troubled. And in one version, it says he was angry Mm -hmm. that he was having to go to the tomb because Mm -hmm. I think of the hurt they were feeling. Why do you think we hear so little of what she said. And what do you think that tells us about her? You know, I don't know. Other than we do know that Martha is out there all the time. Jesus, what about this? Tell Mary she's doing the wrong thing. Tell her to help me. I mean, Martha's very outspoken and, and very bold with Jesus. I mean, she is. What we know about Mary is that she studied at his feet. We know that she was learning from him. And Jesus said, she's chosen the better thing. Not that service to other people and all these things Martha was involved in, aren't important. And I think we have to be careful in that it is good to be involved in ministry and in church and in volunteering, um, taking people into our home, whatever it is we do. But I think what Christ is saying is that your time with me is actually the more important thing. They're both good things. So we know that Mary was close to him and was learning religious teaching, something again, that wouldn't have been the norm for women in those days, um, that she was very close to him. And we know he he felt grief when he saw how much grief she went through and, and the sister. What I took from their story is that, um, of course, Lazarus died. They were very um, disappointed. You know, Jesus is his close friend. Why didn't he come and save him? But we see in his story that when he does come back and raise Lazarus from the dead and he sees the sister, he hates to see them in grief. Um, there was timing to all of it because people came to believe probably and know because they'd all gathered there to grieve with the sisters, to grieve the loss of Lazarus. So everybody was there tending to them. So when Jesus comes back and raises Lazarus from the dead, he's got this audience of all these people who know that Lazarus was dead for several days. So I think that Jesus felt grief for the sisters in that he knew he was going to save Lazarus. He hated that in those interim days that they had suffered. Um, through that. But the timing was all for the purpose of bringing other people to know that he was Christ, that he was the son of God. And um, knowing that Mary had studied at his feet, we know that they had a close relationship and um, that he was hurt because they were hurt. That's really good. You know, every life serves a purpose. Every life tells a story. And you did such, and I, and I, and I really do mean this, you did a great job bringing those stories to life. And I'm learning things that I'm like, I'm not going to tell my church, but I didn't know. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. They're not going to know that, but I didn't know that. It's really good. You know, good. I did too. I did it too. Was, it was so good. 
what do you hope is the story that Shannon Bream's life tells? You know, we look back at a, a Sarah or a Deborah or an Esther or a Hannah, and their life just spills the story out. What do you pray is the story that Shannon Bream's life tells for those that are reading your story later? I really do hope everything reflects back to God, to my Savior. Um, You know, I'll have people approach me, whether it's, you know, friends or acquaintances or coworkers who will say, why are you so happy all the time? I don't know why you're so different. And, and ultimately, I hope they don't just have that question, but I hope they get the answer too, that it's because Christ who's redeemed me and saved me. I couldn't be more grateful knowing the sacrifice he made for me. And listen, any platform he gives me to share about him is an enormous blessing. I think about, you talk about when you're a young person, I think about when I was at Liberty and these speakers would come and I would say, oh man, that's just, I get it. That impacts my life. I'm so inspired by that. And I remember leaving Liberty thinking like, I want to do that one day. I want to be able to speak and uh, encourage people and that kind of thing. But clearly I had a lot to learn. I'm sure as a 21 year old, you know, I had no clue about life. I mean, I had very little. And I think God leads you through things. And he, like you said, everyone has a story and then we can share it. And I just hope that in sharing the story that I'm always pointing the glory back to him and that people hear the gospel and that they'll know whether they thought I was kind or funny or easy to work with or whatever it was that they get to the bottom of that. And what it really was, was about my savior. Wasn't that a fun conversation with Shannon? You know what I love about that is Shannon's the same person that I knew at Liberty back in the late 80s and early 90s. God's grown her platform. God has expanded her influence, literally known now all across the world. Hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and Instagram, but yet she's still the same person. Her roots are deep. Her faith is strong. And it's not what she does. It's who she is. Thank you so much, Shannon, for not only being who you are, but for taking the time to share these amazing stories in your newest book, Women of the Bible Speak. I know I'm better for reading it, and I know our listeners are going to be better as well. I hope you will all go and order a copy because I'm telling you, it is a must-read to help grow your faith and just grow your knowledge of Scripture and how God has put all this together and how he's used women all throughout his story to help bring people to him and to make a difference in this world. Good, good stuff. Well, our next episode's not going to be any different. Episode 108, we're going to sit down with Katie Cole. Katie is a leader of leaders, whether it's in business, whether it's in some of the largest churches in America, Katie is out making a mark. And I'm telling you, you're going to love our conversation in the next episode. I hope these episodes are adding value. If they are, boy, it would help us if you left a review or a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify. Uh, Download the podcast, man, set up and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for joining me today. I pray that you'll go out and be the leaders that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. 
For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.